Hi there. I hope you were as helped as much as I was by Brittany and Sue's messages over the last two weeks. You know, they did a superb job of explaining from John 15 what it means to abide in Jesus and how crucial it is, because after all, he is our life source. You know, without him, we die. And it's because we depend on him that an important part of abiding is asking asking him for what we need. This uh, happy circle of abiding and asking, as Sue put it. And as I listened to them, it really came home to me just how essential this is for living the Christian life. You know, if we want our lives to be fruitful, then it's critical that we understand what it means to abide in Jesus. And we're not just talking about having a quiet time with him each morning, helpful though that is. But that's why in this message, I want to drive home some of the things that Brittany and Sue talked about, because it is so important that we get hold of this. You know, abiding in Jesus is the secret of life. It's the key to fulfilling the purpose that God intended for our lives and for his church. It's the means by which we can become all that God created us to be. It's found in our dependence on Christ and on Christ alone. And the reason why this needs to be driven home is because it's like driving a stake into the heart of our independence, which is the biggest obstacle to us realizing our full potential in Christ. So I'm calling this message the Declaration of Dependence. Now, I realize that this is already going against the grain of our culture, of how we've been raised and taught to think. You know, the fact is we're taught to be independent from a very early age. In fact, it's the goal of parenting, isn't it? We celebrate when our children learn to do something on their own, like uh, getting dressed, brushing their teeth, uh, riding a bike, driving a car, getting a job, leaving home. You know, these achievements are rightly celebrated. It's part of us growing up into maturity and adulthood that we're able to do these things on our own. But as adults, we continue to prize our independence. You know, we want to pay our own way, make our own decisions, shape our own destiny, and we prize our liberty. And of course, our whole society in America is built on the Declaration of Independence, which asserts that we've been endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But perhaps what people don't realize is that true life and liberty cannot be found in a Declaration of Independence, but only in a total and absolute dependence upon Jesus Christ. And that's what he's telling us in John 15 with this analogy of the vine and its branches. So let's just read some of those verses again. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Now what's this telling us? Right, It's telling us that Jesus is our life source. There is no life apart from him. Apart from Jesus we can do nothing. We will accomplish nothing. Nothing of any lasting value. We cannot flourish. Mankind cannot flourish in the way that God intends apart from total dependency upon Jesus. A living, vital, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ where our hope is in him and in him alone. Is that where your hope is found? 
We say it is, don't we? We sing with confidence, in Christ alone my hope is found, or my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But in practice, so often our hope is in Jesus and something else. If only I could have this, whatever this is, you know, you fill in the blank, then things would be better. My life would have meaning, I'd feel happier. Or if only that would change, you know, then there would be hope for our nation, then my family will flourish. But if this or that is not Christ, then our hope is not in Christ alone. And it's in, you know, it's in Christ and something. And, and that mix is a compromised foundation to build on. It's a false gospel that we're believing in. Because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not, you know, it's not talking there about just having an inner strength or an external power, but him as the author of life itself, you know, without whom we die. Without him, our lives and everything we seek to accomplish are just like cut flowers. They may look good and smell good for a while, but the fact is their days are numbered. They will soon wither and die. Why? because they've been cut off from their life source. And that's why Jesus tells us to abide in him as if everything depends on it, because it does. Now, as people who prize their independence, we don't like having to depend on others, do we? Uh, we don't like to be kind of needy. In fact, we'll often apologize for being a burden. You know, I'm so sorry, but we've got to get over that when it comes to Jesus. Because our dependence on him is not only vital and essential, but it's something we can rejoice in. Think about the vine and its branches. If a, vi if a branch could speak, it wouldn't be apologizing for its need to depend on the vine. Oh, I'm so sorry to be a burden. Sorry to be so needy. No, it wouldn't be saying that, would it? It would be saying, for this I was made, right? This is what I was created for right? We were made for dependence upon Jesus. In him we live, we move, we have our being, and apart from him we can do nothing. As it says of the exalted Christ in Colossians 1, Paul says, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So, no apology needed. He is our eternal life source. We need him and we depend on him every moment of every day. And if we don't, we're like cut flowers that one day will wither and die. As D.A. Carson uh, wrote in his commentary, continuous dependence on the vine, constant reliance upon him, persistent spiritual imbibing of his life. This is the sine qua non, the, in other words, the indispensable, essential condition of spiritual fruitfulness. But do our lives reflect that? What would they look like if we were continually depending on the vine? How do we constantly rely on him? Prayer. The answer is prayer. Prayer is our declaration of dependence. It's us asking Jesus for all we want and for all that we need, because we acknowledge that apart from him, we can do nothing. 
You know, it wasn't until we started digging into John 15 that I saw this vital importance of prayer as both the means of abiding in Jesus and also the means of him producing his fruit through us. Twice in this passage, Jesus tells us to pray. In verse 7, he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now, did Jesus really mean whatever we ask? I mean, like anything? Well, there is an if there, isn't there? If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And uh, Sue did a great job last week of explaining how, you know, when we're allowing the word of God to abide in us, uh, where we are truly seeking to do his will, then his desires will increasingly become our desires. And so she said, you know, we find ourselves asking the Father for what Jesus would ask if he were in our shoes. That's what asking in his name means. And what Jesus is telling us in these verses is that he intends for our lives to bear fruit, beautiful, tasty fruit, lots of fruit to glorify the Father. It's what we were created for. But branches cannot bear fruit independently of the vine. An independent branch will wither and die. Fruitfulness is only possible through being dependent upon Jesus. And prayer is our declaration of dependence. And the reason why I'm kind of really driving home our dependency upon Jesus is because it's only when we come to see that, it's only when we come to realize our utter helplessness apart from Jesus that we will pray. Prayer is not our last resort. It's our only recourse. Have you ever felt completely and utterly helpless? It's not a pleasant feeling, is it? I was reminded of a time when three of my friends and I felt that way. Some of you will remember the story I told of when we were backpacking on the Isle of Skye on the west coast of Scotland and we were hiking up there in the hills. It was really wet and boggy and at some point during the day the mist came down, which is not unusual because the Isle of Skye is called the Misty Isle. Now, I didn't know that at the time, I do now, uh, but the whole island could be enveloped in this thick fog, sometimes for days on end. And I guess if we'd bothered to read up on it or ask someone's advice, you know, sort counsel, we wouldn't have got into trouble. But you see, we were young and independent. We didn't need help. We knew what we were doing. And so there we were up in the hills, poorly equipped with very few supplies. And then the fog descended on us and it was so thick, you couldn't even see the person in front of you. We had to walk in single file with our kind of arms outstretched so we could touch the backpack in front of us so we wouldn't lose one another. We had a map, you know, we were trying to find this farmhouse, uh, but we had no, absolutely zero chance of seeing it in the fog. We had no clue where we were going. It was really like the blind leading the blind. And I can tell you, it was really scary not being able to see anything completely lost. We were helpless. And I was praying all the time under my breath that God would deliver us. I'd just become a Christian a few months before. My friends weren't believers. I'd been praying for them and sharing my faith with them. And I suspect that up in those hills, they were all praying too. Uh, so we just kept on walking, you know, not knowing if we were maybe going round and round in circles. I was out in front, but then suddenly I stopped. 
because I could hear the sound of seagulls coming from underneath us. It seems that in the fog we'd found our way to a sheer cliff face, and there we were standing on a precipice with the cry of seagulls underneath us. Another couple of steps and we would have perished. We turned around and carefully headed in the other direction, but in the end we decided this was futile. We should just stop where we were, try and put up our tents on the boggy ground and wait. I told my friends I was praying and then we tried to get some sleep. You know, we were exhausted. The next morning we looked outside our tents and we saw the amazing scene of this mist just rolling away. I mean, literally rolling away as it was being burned up by the morning sun. And there in the distance, appeared the farmhouse we'd been looking for. We were saved. It wasn't long after that trip that all three of my friends made a profession of faith. And I know at least two of them are still going strong today. You know, I've always felt that story is like a parable. On one hand, we might see it as a picture of mankind without Christ, you know, blind, wandering, living in fear of death and all the time heading towards this precipice. But another way of seeing it is our dependence on Jesus. You know, we don't see everything, and so we are helpless without him. And that's why we need to pray. And when we do, God so often answers in marvelous and mysterious ways. You know, he doesn't always immediately answer, and he doesn't always give us exactly what we ask for. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he has something better. And other times we've just got to trust that he knows what he's doing that he is all-knowing and all-seeing. He sees where we've got to get to. He sees everything from an eternal perspective, whereas what we see can be like peering through the mist at times. One day we'll see clearly. Right now, we only see in part, which is why we're dependent on him and why we need to pray. And, you know, one thing that we can be sure of is that God answers our prayers, that whenever we pray, he is working out his purposes for our ultimate good. As Nicky Gumbel once said on the Alpha Course, he says, when we pray, God hears more than we say, answers more than we ask, gives more than we imagine in his own time and in his own way. And that's why abiding in him it's really like resting in him. True abiding, I think, is a place of rest because we're not having to strive. We don't have to be anxious. We just cast all our burdens, all our cares on him. You know, we don't have to fear because we're trusting in his ability to supply what we need. Because after all, we're joined to him, the creator and sustainer of all things. And so we can trust and rest in his sovereign care. Apart from him, we're restless. We've got all this angst about what's going on in the world and because we're not in control, you know, we're helpless. We may not realize it because we're so used to being independent and in control of our lives. We, we think we can change things. We think we have the answers until something happens that makes us feel completely and utterly helpless. And it's a terrifying helplessness, like wandering in the mist where you feel completely and utterly lost. 
but thank God that Jesus invites us to abide in him, to put our trust in him, to find rest in him, to make him our life as we daily depend on him. Thank God that we can hold fast to Jesus, knowing that he has promised to never let go of us and that he will supply all that we need, like that vine that supplies its branches with life-giving sap. And all we need to do is ask. Prayer is our declaration of dependence. And there is no better place that we can be in. It's what we were made for, created to be dependent on him. It's how our lives and churches will produce the fruit that God intends for us. It's when we pray that we'll see lives changed, bodies healed, people set free, marriages restored, a miraculous provision, and a nation awakened to their need of Jesus. This is what makes us fruitful. It's Jesus's response to the prayers of his people. And it's got nothing to do with how great our prayers are either, how theologically accurate they are, how long they are. You know, it's not the prayer itself that produces the fruit. Like if I can just get the prayer right, you know, if I can just pray long enough or hard enough, and then somehow my efforts will make this fruit just kind of pop out. No, it's Jesus who produces the fruit in response to our prayers. And all we have to do is depend on him. That's why, as Sue pointed out last week, it can be a childlike prayer, just trusting in the ability of the one who answers. It means that our prayers can seem rather weak and foolish at times because, well, it's just asking. But that's why C.H. Spurgeon, the great 19th century preacher, he once said this, he said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. I love that. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. I just want to finish by sharing how I'm trying to put this into practice myself. The first thing uh, is this. I'm trying to pray more often um, by talking to Jesus through the day as I go about my work and my everyday life. So rather than just have a set prayer time in the morning, uh, which I still do. In fact, these days, Emma and I will usually pray together in the early morning as we walk our dog. But also, as well as that, I'm asking God for his help as things happen through the day. That might be a, a request I receive by email or text or that I see on Facebook, and I'll pray right there and then. I mean, how many times have you said to someone, I'll be praying for you, and then you don't? Right? The answer is to pray right there and then. It doesn't have to be long. You're just asking. I think for me, that's part of what it means to be abiding, you know, continually depending. It's kind of talking to God and asking him for things throughout the day. Maybe it's something I see on the news. And so in my mind, I'm talking to my heavenly father about it. Lord, that is terrible. That shouldn't be so. Lord, that breaks my heart. I'm sure it must break yours. Please, Lord, will you intervene? Please, will you bring justice? Lord, will you comfort that family? Or perhaps I'm thinking about uh, people I'm about to meet or a message I need to prepare for. And so I talk to my father about it. Lord, you know, I need your help. I need your wisdom. Please give me the words to say. Please give me grace. Fill me with your spirit. Or, uh, Lord, I don't want to be driving around for hours looking for a parking spot. And I don't want to waste my time. Lord, will you please provide one nearby? Or, uh, Lord, will you uh, use me today? If there are people you want me to talk to, divine appointments you prepared for me, Lord, help me to be sensitive to your spirit and to the needs of others. 
Can you see? I wonder if that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, pray continually, or pray without ceasing, he says. In fact, let's just read that verse in 1 Thessalonians, because not only does it encourage us to pray more often, but it also gives us some structure for our prayers. So uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Paul writes there, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I tend to talk to God in the way that Paul describes there, because as he says, it's the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. And he mentions three things there, rejoicing, praying, thanksgiving. Uh, you can remember it as RPT, rejoice, pray, give thanks. RPT, or repeat, because this is something we keep on repeating. So first of all, rejoice. Rejoice in Jesus, in your relationship with him and your dependency upon him. Lord, I praise you today. I was made to depend on you, that you are my life. And apart from you, I can do nothing. Hallelujah. How freeing that is. Thank you that I'm part of your vine. I'm joined to you, that I have eternal life through knowing you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. I'm going to bear much fruit because of you. Right? You invite me to cast all my cares on you. And I gladly, uh, willingly do that right now knowing I can trust you for the outcome praise you Lord you are so good all right start by rejoicing in Jesus then pray pray ask for what you want ask him for what you need and it doesn't matter how big or how small a thing is or how many times you've asked before you know there are things a family members I've been praying persistently for for years because Jesus encouraged us to pray and to keep on asking and not give up he said Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So keep on asking. Pray without ceasing. Tell him what's on your heart. Share your desires as well as your burdens with him. And then give thanks, right? RPT. In Philippians 4, Paul wrote that we should present our request to God with thanksgiving. So I might finish praying by thanking him. Thank you, Jesus, you hear my prayers. Even now you're working out your purposes in response, that you're working for the good of those concerned. Thank you, Lord. Even though I may not immediately see an answer, I can trust you for the outcome. My prayers are being stored up in those great golden bowls in heaven, waiting to be poured out at the right time. Thank you, Lord, that not one of my prayers have been wasted, right? They're producing fruit, lasting fruit for your glory. And sometimes I'll give thanks before I ask for anything. You know, I thank him for his promises. Thank you, Lord, that your word says, by your stripes we are healed. In fact, you said, Lord, we should lay our hands on the sick and they would recover. Thank you, Lord, that when the sick came to you for healing, you healed all of them. That you are Lord over every sickness and disease. That you are God, our healer, and that you haven't changed. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I come to you now in your name. I ask you for healing today. And of course, you know, when we see answers to our prayers, let's remember to especially give him thanks then as well. Right. It kind of means that all of our prayers should be infused with thanksgiving, thanking him for past mercies, uh, thanking him for what he's presently doing, thanking him for what he's promised to do. As Paul said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, and then repeat, R-P-T. Got it?
Good. I hope that's been helpful. Sorry I took a bit longer over this message, but I just feel it's so important. Do you want your life to be fruitful? Do you? Then acknowledge your total dependence on Jesus and pray. Remember, prayer is our declaration of dependence. And that is the key to bearing much fruit to the Father's glory. Perhaps you might want to spend some time praying right now. God bless you today.